0: He is championing the new frontier of holistic health. You've heard me say in other podcasts and patients that know me, I'm all about the root cause, and there's so many symptoms that kind of mimic other things. What he does is he is an air quality expert and a wellness advocate, and he's bridging this gap between our homes and how it is impacting our health. So he's also the founder of Home Cleanse, which is a company dedicated to addressing the worldwide health epidemic caused by indoor air quality. He works closely with companies, with his own company's advisory team, and uh, and also with global well-being trailblazers like uh, Deepak Chopra, you know, through the Chopra Foundation, and even Gwyneth Paltrow. The mission of the company is to improve the quality of life for more than 100 million people each year by 2030. He's also the founder of Change the Air Foundation, which is a nonprofit, com, com, uh, nonprofit uh, committed to empowering the the world to achieve better health by establishing safer and healthier indoor environments. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I was reviewing your website, which is awesome. I'll share that now. And it's also in the show notes, which is uh, www.dot the home, or no justhomecleanse.dot.com and I love it. It's like you had something on there that said, "Let's talk about the M word." So, mm-hmm. which is mold, right? And yeah. um, I guess what I'd really love to hear, because I love to hear people's stories, is how did you get to where you are today? That now this is something you know that you're really passionate about.
1: Yeah. So I'm in my mid twenties. My dad's been a restoration contractor my entire life. I do the whole, the move from college back home transition. I start working for my dad. Uh, I'm in sales and I'm, I'm not a sales guy by, by any means. And uh, I'm going door to door and I'm, you know, getting calls from people who are complaining about their environment. Okay. And this is right after hurricane Sandy hit the Northeast. Okay. So there was a lot of devastation in the area and um, a lot of these people had their homes quote unquote fixed, right? And so they thought nothing of it visually, but scientifically, when we look at lab results, the homes had had problems. Uh, there was high levels of mold, high levels of bacteria, high levels of toxins. And it didn't make sense to me because the house visually looked repaired, right? So you, what's going on here? It wasn't until the very first project I had where we're actually taking apart this wall that was previously repaired where we saw just blackness covered behind the wall. And it was the first time that I said, oh my God, like this can be completely hidden and people could have no idea. And it starts there. Fast forward, you know, 11 years and I've seen thousands of these cases Uh, You know, data coming out of the EPA and HUD uh, shows the prevalence of mold increasing, unfortunately, not decreasing over time. So it's really becoming an epidemic. And as far as the amount of people I've seen get sick inside their own homes, it is remarkable. Um, I would say probably by the fifth or sixth house that I went to in my mid-20s, I realized I think we have a massive problem here on our hands. And I think this is way bigger than me and being able to fix this one house at a time. Like, we need to really review how this is happening and get a better understanding of how we can fix this from a societal standpoint. And that's, you know, what led to Home Cleanse becoming nationwide and helping people, and then Change the Air Foundation coming together with a group of amazing people uh, to help not only, you know, uh, give people the information they need. But also to change laws, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to accomplish at, at the foundation. Is because, you know, unfortunately, so many people suffer and they don't have the resources to fix things. And uh, you know, insurance companies are able to kind of get away scot-free, not paying you know to fix for things, which is the kind of the whole point of insurance. So we've got a bit of a situation, unfortunately. But that's why I'm here. I, I want to help fix it.
0: I'm so. I I I know I'm gonna sound very maternalistic when I say this, but I'm so proud of you because I know many times I get questions about mold or you know, dust and especially this time of year because I'm I'm in the Midwest. And so we're shutting our doors, we're closing the windows, we're spending more time indoors. And there are like I said, there's so many symptoms that People have that can mimic things like allergies or asthma, or just in general like fatigue. Let's just talk about you know just in general not just not feeling good. And I know as a physician, you know I'm trying to work with these kids and these families, and and a lot of the parents are like, "There's I know there's something going on," and sometimes like you said, it could be hidden and uh, and we don't even know. So I'll always suggest you know not always, but I, you know, sometimes we'll suggest, well, maybe we need to get the home inspected. And, you know, that's not always, that's not as easy as it sounds, you know, for for some people. And, uh, and then let's say they even get the home inspected and they discover this, then it's like, well, what do we do? Right. So I guess, where do you start when, you know, like, What do you? Because I know too. You work with a lot of physicians Mm -hmm. as well to kind of collaborate with them. So you've got you've got your hand in a lot of different things. You know, you're working with healthcare. You're working um, also with you know trying to advocate for these families, which I think is amazing. So, what is like the first step? Like, help me and help others if if families think that there's a problem. What's, what's the first step in trying to figure this out?
1: All right, so I'm going to give you the free version first. Okay. <laughs> Everyone should pause this episode right now and go over to the toilet tank and pull the lid off, flip it over, look on the underside of the lid, look inside the toilet tank. If you see mold, that means it's opportunistically getting in by a nearby source point, right? Because we need to have an abundance of mold Already in our environment for it to get to a place like that, where the heavy lid, where there's very minimal air exchange, so I think that is probably the the number one thing people can do right now. Okay. Um, but I I'm I'm a big fan of scientific data analysis, and I think one of the big challenges we had in solving this problem is the fact that you might call five different. Mold inspectors. We'll, we'll 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 start there. Yes, and you'll get five different wild responses. <laughs> yes, okay, and it's because the so we have about fifty thousand companies in the U.S. that you know are in the mold business. Let's call it. Um, and I mentioned earlier in my story that I was going to homes that were supposedly repaired. People said they fixed it, but they it really wasn't. I mean, I had to retake it apart and and go at it again. And I think what it really comes down to what I figured out is there is a, a pretty large gap in the science behind what we are doing from a microbiology standpoint Mm -hmm. that is completely missed in this whole industry. And I'm going to give you an example you call five people. They're all going to want to set up an air pump in the center of your room. And they're going to want to take an air sample from the center of your room and then compare it to outside And if it looks less than outside, they're going to tell you everything is good. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that, all right, is that is probably about five, six feet away from any potential problem because you rarely have problems in the center of the room unless like water is coming down from your light fixture. (laughs) Unless
0: it's obvious,
1: right? Right. And then it's obvious. But most of the time it's on an exterior wall or an interior wall where there's plumbing. And so the further you test away from the source point, the more likely it is to look normal when if you just move that air pump just a couple feet closer, you'd find the problem. Right. And so the whole industry loves setting these things up in the center of rooms because they think it, it's a good screening tool, but it's not because it only collects 75 milliliters of air. Now think about it like a two, two liter bottle of Coke or Pepsi, right? Okay, 75 milliliters of air. That's not a lot of Mm air and you're not getting a good circumference of what actually could be, could be there. So I had to come up with an idea. How do we make this easy for someone to really identify if they have mold in their place? Well, everything settles and becomes part of our dust. If I have mold or bacteria issues or toxin issues inside my home, they might be behind the wall, but they're going to constantly create particles that are going to, unfortunately, move throughout the house just because each house is going to have pressure. I mean, think about every time the HVAC system comes on, you're pulling air towards that location. Every time you open a door or a window, you're moving air around, Mm -hmm. Uh, just walking through the room, right? So I realized that if we want to be able to identify problems, even that are hidden, much more cost effective than bringing in this professional to just answer the question, do I have a problem? And then do we want to actually get definitive DNA specific results that are pretty much irrefutable? Well, then we need to use PCR technology and we need to take that PCR technology. We need to analyze the dust okay? because everything becomes a part of our dust.
0: The dust, not necessarily the mold itself.
1: Right. Because if you have mold, those molds colonies will be producing spores that will become part of your dust dust yes that makes sense And so we test our dust as a screening tool to answer the question do i have a problem is there an overgrowth of mold or an overgrowth of bacteria from water damage or just you know things wrong with the house i mean hvac problems can create mold too and so yeah just looking at the totality of what could be problematic and it'll tell you is this 36 different species of mold that could tell you, is it normal? Is it abnormal? Okay, if it's abnormal, how abnormal? Are we talking this is 10 times higher than what it should be, a hundred times or a thousand times? Mm-hmm. And all that information is good information because depending on the species of mold itself, we can then really understand and have good guesswork as to what might be happening. So I give you an example. We have stachybotrys Everyone's heard of the big scary toxic black mold. Yes. Well, besides the fact that it's toxigenic. What I think about is, well, it takes three to five days on average to grow, right? So that's not just a little bit of humidity spike. That is an active leak that has allowed that to grow, right? And so changes the conversation around, okay, where, what might have happened in this home that allowed that much water to come in and stay wet for three to five days for this to grow? That's got to be some sort of an ongoing leak, right? And that helps people build shape around... What what's going on here that I might need to look at? And then, you know, if they need to hire an inspector after the fact, it becomes a different conversation because you're not saying, hey, I want you to just, you know, take a bunch of air samples and screen my home. No, you give them the results and you say, Look, I know I have a problem and I know we have this mold. I need you to help me find where it's coming from because this takes three to five days to grow. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be a leak. And now they're more prepared to bring in different types of diagnostic tools instead of just setting up air pumps. And I think the goal there was to empower people, not only make it more cost-effective and give information more accessible, but to empower people to be able to do something about it. I think is that's, that's the big key.
0: And I would say too, you know, we're not just talking about old homes, you know, this can happen to a, a new home. And like you said, even a renovation or repair. So the, you know because i'm I always try to think like maybe somebody is thinking, well my- I you know we just built our house, so it's probably okay, but it 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 doesn't necessarily mean that there 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 isn't that possibility. I will tell you though, like listening all to this personally, it kind of freaks you out a little bit, don't you think
1: yeah, I mean look um. Uh, you, you, you when you know too much it's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of hard not to to be in um you know a pessimistic state if you will unfortunately the way in which we build homes today as it, compared to like 20 30 years ago like we're rushing things and we're mm-hmm. making a lot of mistakes you know i've seen mold catastrophic levels of mold in brand new construction that were higher than a house that was 100 years old wow okay and th- yeah. that's a problem and it's you know it's it's not it's a simple fix but it requires a code change or a regulation change that allow that reinforces builders build a specific way so there are two main problems in new construction today one when that lumber gets delivered to the so, uh, delivered to the site to be built it's supposed to be elevated there is like a whole structural building components association guide that tells the builders what to do but unfortunately it's not enforced. And, If you drive around America right now, you'll see it's not really being followed. They're supposed to elevate the wood out of the soil Mm -hmm. and wrap it and keep two ends open for ventilation purposes. You drive around, you don't see anything like that. Uh, Very far and few between. And what does that do? Well, mold and bacteria are already abundant in the soil. They're already abundant. And so it easily allows when it rains for that mold and bacteria to transfer onto the lumber. All that trap moisture keeps that wood wet long enough for that to take place. And so you're seeing brand new homes get built with extraordinarily moldy lumber. And this isn't coming from the lumber yard, like the builders want to tell you it's coming from the soil, right on the same land that they're building the house on. And it's, All we have to do is not do that, right? Mm -hmm. Get it out of the soil. It's not hard, but yet it's not being enforced. It's happening to people. They're moving into brand new homes and they're getting sick and, and it's just not right. And, you know, I've had, I've worked with over 250 doctors today. And part of the conversation is, you know, teaching doctors, how we can correlate the environmental science with the the medical science. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you can do testing of the human body to show elevation of toxins produced by certain species of mold. And then you can use that dust test to see, am I getting exposed to that specific species of mold inside my own home? And yeah, obviously there are other exposure areas like somebody's workplace, right? But 90% of them are getting exposed inside their own home. And it's crazy to me because, yeah, it's, it's not discriminating whether the house is older, newer. It really is just dependent upon how well did we build this house? How well did we maintain this house? And when there were issues, how well did, did we fix those issues? And those three pieces need to improve.
0: Do you find that, you know, I, and again, I'm always thinking like when I hear what you're saying is with testing is that something that's typically covered in, in your experience with the physicians who have been taking the steps to kind of find out, at least in, in, the, in the patient, versus, you know, like, how is that paid for, I guess, is the question. Because I know, you know, there's some people obviously have more resources than others.
1: Yeah. The health insurance and home insurance aspect of this is a massive, massive problem. Yeah. and the World Health Organization has an ICD 10 code for mold toxicity. It exists. Yes. That ICD 10 code is not in the US healthcare system as a treatable disease, which means that insurance has to be fought with to get the coverage. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know how to fight with their insurance company to get coverage for things. Mm-hmm. And so they get that letter in the mail that says, You're denied. And they go, oh, I guess I got to pay for this out of pocket. And maybe for some people, they figure it out. But not everybody. And so how many people are we neglecting? I mean, 80% of US healthcare costs are consumed by chronic illness. 80% chronic illness of which has no cure, of which we don't understand the root cause of, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of which isn't treatable, right? And then so
0: turn that around and it's costing more, money in the healthcare system to treat the symptoms that we're seeing. So it's, 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 you know, not only just finding out the root cause, but also how to, you know, the prevention of it. And those are the things that unfortunately aren't covered. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: No. And and the thing is, is like, you know, we have a significant economic burden on our hands Mm -hmm. because when someone is sick, yes, it costs a lot of money for, from a health insurance perspective to cover a sick individual versus a healthy individual. Obviously, we know that. Yes. But when someone's sick and they're going to stay sick because they really have no options for treatment, that's a huge economic burden, not only on the healthcare system. But what about the people themselves? I mean, if I'm too sick to work, then I'm not earning any money and I'm not paying any taxes and we get into this system where we're stuck, right? This is what I'm sharing with the government. It's like, we're we're in this wheel, this hamster wheel. We right. we have to, conf- you know, cause they always ask, well, how much is this gonna cost to fix it? I don't know, probably trillions of dollars, okay? But realistically, because we have a pretty significant issue on our hands. I mean, you're talking about retrofitting and fixing millions of homes across America okay, fine. But what is it costing us now by ignoring it? It's costing way more. Right. And so, you know, that, that, that is how we kind of put things into perspective. You know, when I look at also like the, the, the people aspect, I mean, I've seen grandmothers, you know, 70 years old that should otherwise be healthy, being really sick. And once they leave, like they get better. I've seen kids, you know, deal with, major psychiatric disorders and then once they leave their environment they feel better right i've seen all these different things and it's like well we really need to start looking at this as a as a thing I mean, look put it in perspective from a health, air quality perspective right what do we know about air quality air is pretty much the greatest route of exposure for like every every disease we know of covid air air transmission flu air transmission mm-hmm. right why are we not looking at that more seriously for all these other chronic illnesses? If we know that it's the greatest route of exposure for freaking everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, what I find fascinating as well is the fact that it's, it is, it is difficult. Like I agree. I feel like sometimes we're in just this s- snowball, just snowball effect, you know, and and that it's just rolling, rolling, rolling. And, uh, and, and, It becomes really complex though, because, you know, like, like you said, there's, there's money involved in trying to figure there's time, but it's what's, what's the cost of not taking care of it too is, is a huge part. You know, one of the big buzzwords right now is endocrine disruptor disruptors. Have you heard of that? And Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about that? And maybe there being a relationship with our air quality.
1: Well, we know that it, you know, this is in papers on PubMed. You can read all about it. We know that, you know, poor air quality, having too much mold, too much bacteria that you're constantly breathing in inside your own home. We understand that that disrupts the entire hormonal system, right? It disrupts the endocrine system. It leads to hor- hormone imbalances. We had you know, Christina Perry, a famous singer, a uh, client of mine. She had a miscarriage. She was dealing with infertility issues. We fixed her house. She had a baby that year. Wow. I mean, it, 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 I don't know what else to say other than we, we have to look more closely at, at how this relationship plays a part into it. You know, Then we talk about gut issues, right? Yes. It, of course, it affects your gut health because if you didn't know anything that you inhale... If it's small enough, you then ingest it afterwards. Why? Because it's so small, it's bypassing your your lungs and it's entering the bloodstream, where it makes its way to the gut. And we, you know, we're talking about Hippocrates here, where health is the gut, right? It all starts in the gut, and so I think that's really you know one thing you could have expanded on is if we understood at the time that inhalation then leads to ingestion, it would help us explain a lot more, like. How do we get sick from a virus? Well, a virus is so tiny as soon as we inhale it, which by the way, when we inhale it, we're inhaling like hundreds of millions of it at a time, right? right? It's, it's bypassing our lungs and entering the, the bloodstream where now our immune system gets involved and it, Our gut gets involved. And now it, it it just starts extending to all the different pathways, right? So we have to really be more cognizant of the fact that, you know, Health is a lot more than getting a Peloton. It's a lot more than clean eating. You know, those things are important, right? Exercise and eating well is important, and looking for imbalances and supporting those imbalances, all very important. We have to ask ourselves, what's causing these things? Mm-hmm. You know, what's causing these things? And, and I believe that air quality is a major, major culprit.
0: I would agree because I see a lot of Kids and and especially adolescents, and they really feel like I am doing everything. You know I'm I, I am and and some of them really are taking it very seriously, eating the right foods and and uh, which again is important, getting sleep, moving their bodies, that kind of thing and uh, and so. What else are we ingesting? Of course, water is coming to my mind. And I know we're here to talk more about air than water. But, you know, we have to think about even, you know, I I really encourage people to to drink water. And I just, you know, now we are hearing that the bottled water, you know, we know a lot about plastic and we're Mm -hmm. hearing about that. There's even more, they're finding more. So there's so, so much information out there. How, how do people find out more about what they can do to improve their air quality and then hopefully, you know, feel less sick. You know, I, I'm sure that everybody wants to have a better quality of life.
1: You know, it starts with just being aware that, air quality is probably a lot more important than we've ever realized before. Mm -hmm. And it it sounds crazy, but we take 20,000 breaths per day. We actually inhale as much air to fill up a normal size swimming pool every single day, to put that in perspective. You are inhaling hundreds of millions of particles. If you've ever sat near a window on a sunny day and you saw that ray of light refract off the dust, you know what I'm talking about. Our dust yes. is everywhere. You're constantly breathing in it. Literally, a dust particle just floated by as I said that. <laughs> uh, we 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 have to be more cognizant of what we're breathing. And I'm not saying that there's not legitimate medical conditions out there. I'm not saying that genetics and epigenetics don't play a role in this. It does for sure. But for all the people I've ever known that have been in my universe that have ever been dealing with medical mysteries or autoimmune disorders or diseases and they had no answers and there was no cures and there's nothing they can do and they better get used to this new normal them Mm -hmm. when they've looked at air quality they've found relief in some form of fashion and i think that's the focus right and so if you're out there listening right now and you're telling you you're you're saying to yourself you know what this makes sense. I want to check my house, which I, I, I please do. You can literally go to the right now and order yourself an at home te- dust test kit goes to the lab. PCR technology tells your report and there's a whole support staff, which is why doctors love this because you know, th- they don't understand what the results might mean in the home per se. The whole support staff will tell you like, this is what we think it might be if you if you need any testing they'll let you know like they'll recommend other testing if you need solutions on how do i clean this up they they could offer that so we built like a whole resource system around it so that people can get the information they need and then take the action they need to make the improvements
0: and and i really appreciate the fact that you have that team that does that because you're absolutely right most of the time and i i, I mean I'm not saying anything against physicians, obviously, Um, you know, I'm, I'm a healthcare provider, but there's limited education um, about this for the people that are coming to see you, you know, to get, to feel better. And that's why I, that's why I love, I mean, this is the whole reason why I started the podcast. It's like, you know, there's only so much we can do in the office and let's empower people to really take control of their health too and be an advocate for themselves. I know I shared with you one of the things I try to do in my day to day is just ask the families, well, what do you what do you think it could be? You know, when we've gotten to a, especially if we've gotten to a point where we're just kind of hitting dead ends. So what I hear you saying is the dusttest.com and they it gets shipped to them pretty easy to use.
1: Yeah. It's very easy to use, has video instructions. It's super simple. You collect dust with this sanitized cloth and you send it into the lab and it's, it is really, really easy. Uh, You know, that was the one thing we, we made it with consumers in mind. We wanted to make it easy for someone who isn't an expert to get the expert information that they need to make an expert decision and build a whole resource system around that. You know, you, you said something that, um, that struck a chord with me. You know, the reason that I, have been educating doctors on this subject is because there is so little information about environmental illness out there, especially in the, the, the medical education programs. Right. And, you know, people often um, it's like doctors and attorneys, they have these two issues where it's like, you're expected to know everything there is to know. Right. I want to give you an example, right? I I know a lot about the home. Okay. I am not an electrician and the electrician is part of the home. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a whole separate system. So I can't know everything there is to know about every aspect of a home to help people. Um, but yet when you are in the home th- there's that expectation, same thing with a doctor, you know, there are foot specialists, there are heart specialists. Like think about how many organs there are on the body and how many different systems there are that you have to know and worry about. There are specialists for a reason. You can't know everything. Right. And so we we've really created this generalized program to educate doctors on how you can look and see if it's a a missing piece or not to this puzzle. Specifically, if you try all the tests you typically try and they all come back normal and you start to think like, is it in this person's head or what is going on here? This is weird. I can't find anything that would answer why they feel this way. It's typically environmental. And that's, that's where we've, we've kind of been able to show doctors like, look, if you use this tool and you use that tool and you put them together, and the information matches then you can, without a shadow of a doubt, tell them, we think it's your house. And furthermore, you don't believe me? Go away for the weekend. Yeah. Go away for the weekend. See how you feel. Come back. And when you, you'll find when you go away for some time, you come back, you're going to notice, house smells a little weird. I don't remember it smelling this way because you get used to it, right? While you're living there. Right. House feels stuffy. Something feels off. I'm starting to get headaches. I'm starting to feel weird. Just notice that. Just those subtle, your your body's telling you all, all you need to know. But unfortunately, when you're living inside the problem, you're there for so long, you get used to it. It becomes normal. And it doesn't have to be normal. This doesn't have to be the new normal.
0: And that makes perfect sense. Because when I'm trying to figure out if there's like a food intolerance, we tell families, well, stop eating dairy or whatever, you know, whatever it could be. Don't do that for usually for the gut. It's like we give it at least a couple weeks, but get away from it and then kind of slowly reintroduce it. And if you notice that you feel better when you're when you're not taking, and then you start to feel sick again when you do, then then that that's an e- another easy way. The dust test is: Do you need a doctor's a prescription to do it, or can anyone just do it?
1: No, it's it's kind of like you know when you go and buy an at-home COVID test. You know you don't need a prescription for it. You can get it. It's over-the-counter PCR technology isn't something that you know is is requires a prescription for, um, and it's really simple. You collect dust, you send it in. The lab analyzes it, issues a report of what exactly it is. All the the specificity is thirty-six different species. There's bacteria. There's toxins. You have a real good purview into what shouldn't be in your home at unsafe levels and i want to make it clear like we're all going to have some level of mold and some level of bacteria in our home so there is what's considered a normal threshold just like when you do lab work for the body right you're always going to have something high low but there's a threshold and when it gets too high above the threshold you're like that's a problem we got to figure out why that is and if it's too low below the threshold we're like that's weird (laughs) we need to see what's going on You have that normal threshold that you're used to when looking at lab work, but typically on the mold and bacteria side, it's it's not a problem if it's too low, but it certainly is a problem if it's too high. And we have to look at that and understand, well, why is it so high? Because if you think about it from the perspective of 20,000 breaths per day, if I have a lot of mold in my environment... That is a lot of mold entering my body every single day with each one of those twenty thousand breaths, and then guess what? My body's got to fight to remove it because it is a foreign particle.
0: And I also, it's interesting. I was when you were talking about like there's different kinds of doctors, and we go and we see. I find as a primary care physician, and again, I'm not knocking the healthcare system. I'm just, I just know that you you're a hundred percent on, and that is we just need a more awareness for sure, and we need to consider it as a differential diagnosis when we're working with families and, and not be afraid to learn more about it too, because, you know, we don't know, what we don't know. And, and like you said, we can't know everything, but one of the things I'll find is I'll send like, if somebody's having a lot of, um, you know, allergies or asthma, you send them to an allergist, you know, or joint pain, they go see rheumatology. And a lot of times they aren't coming up, With any answers, which happens, you know, and I always feel a little helpless because I'm thinking, wow, if the specialist couldn't figure it out, you know, I'm like, but I don't give up. You know, I I, I try and um, and I don't want families to give up either. You know, I want them to to keep instead of just like you said, accepting that they feel crappy, you know, all the time.
1: We don't this is our moment to evolve. Right. Yeah. We can't we can't blame doctors because that would be like blaming an attorney because a law is is what it is right attorneys don't change laws doctors don't change the way medicine is practiced right there's a system in place that people are taught the attorney learns the laws that are already in place a doctor learns the education and the systems that are already in place this is about looking at the system as a whole and saying how can we improve this? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what we're up against. And, you know, it, why isn't environmental medicine part of every doctor's program as a, Hey, if nothing else works, look at this, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, that's what we need to be asking. We need to make that awareness and we need to make that improvement. That's how we get where we want to go. And, you know, I think just like any change, right. There's always going to be some resistance and some hesitancy and, and all of that, but I think we have a lot of people that are really understanding this. They're seeing the science behind it. They're looking at some of the medical journals and the, uh, everything that's already out there on PubMed. And uh, believe me, there's a ton of a lack of information. We need more resources for studies and stuff of that nature, but we're headed in that direction and the evolution is here. And it's, it's up to us. Unfortunately, I tell people like, look, your doctor may not be aware of it. This creates an opportunity for you to educate your doctor for you to tell your doctor what you suspect and, and believe. And look, some people might say, you know, I, I've never heard of that. And they don't have the time to go in and, and, and look at it. Right. But for some people, they might be really interested in what you have to say. I mean, yes. you, you mentioned earlier, like sometimes patients will be like, I think my, my kids have this. Right. And you're like, wow, you know, that wasn't, I wasn't going there yet, but if all these other things didn't align, I might've went there at some point, but it's, it's almost like we have to kind of be our own advocates and as people, you know, be compassionate for one another. You know, if I'm a if I'm a I'm a data two, right? if my kids are sick, I'm going to my doctor and I'm probably going to say, listen, um, I trust you. I know you know your stuff but here's here's some background information of what I think is happening based upon me living with them 24-7, right? <laughs> that's right. And, you know, take that with a grain of salt and just think about it. And if, you know, it is what it is. And it's it's just being good people with each other. And, you know, even though everyone has expertise in certain things, there's a lot you have to know and remember, right? It doesn't hurt to, to, to bring things up and, and always check and see if it's a possibility. And I think that's where, you know, people have been shy about in some cases and probably in some cases the opposite of shy, but we have to kind of do better as a society to really respect and, and appreciate one another and try to help each other solve complex problems that we might be dealing with.
0: You are, that is so true. And, and, and that is because, and keep doing that as a dad, I think that's, that's great. I, I try really hard to, I, I do a lot of education with other providers and, you know, I try to teach that as well. You know, don't be afraid to listen. You know, we all, no matter what profession you're in and your family, we need to spend a little more time listening because sometimes the answers, they'll tell you the answers without even asking. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I mean, we, there's so much on this information. I'm, I'm extremely interested in it. I'll tell you, even we, we, we don't typically have any problems with mold, but I pulled out the Christmas tree, uh, this, uh, November and, uh, full like, you know, artificial tree. And, uh, it, it was really devastating. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, but we don't always get that clear cut sign. So I appreciate the fact that you're also bringing awareness that it's, it's not just seeing mold, you know, it's also realizing that the mold is now part of our dust and that we're breathing it, you know, 20, tw- what did you say? 20,000 breaths.
1: 20,000 times per day. And, and one thing to remember is mold is like a symptom, right? So, you know, if I have a headache, I don't have an Advil deficiency, maybe I'm dehydrated or something. So that is what shows up as a symptom for the deficiency of hydration. Uh, Now we have mold is a symptom for some other problem that exists that's allowing mold to grow. So, for example, maybe your Christmas tree, maybe it was kept in the attic or someplace and there was too much humidity for some period of time. And it's in this enclosed, dark, tight bag and it didn't breathe well. And so, boom, mold happens. Right. And so you always want to understand that. We're identifying symptoms, but what is the root cause of why mold grew in the first place? And that's what we want to kind of get to um, in, in t- terms of fixing the home, which is obviously a different problem with a Christmas tree than it is with mold growing in the wall, of course. But you, I'm sure you get what I mean.
0: Yes. I mean, it came from somewhere. And and that's the that's the it's almost like there's an algorithm like we've got the symptoms. Let's do the dust test. Now we've got that information. How do we help ourselves? And then how do we how do we help our environment? How do we fix our, the environment that we're living in and, or leave it one way or another, there's something needs to be done. And I know it even gets more complex if you're renting. Um, but we'll, that, we could probably have a whole nother podcast just done. Like,
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> but there are Good. rights. There are some rights. Um, you, you have know, rights. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to to look those up too, because that, that's just as important. Well, thank you so much. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and I really, you know, keep doing the good work of bringing awareness of, of, of teaching those, teaching the teachers, right? Teaching those that are trying to help people because we really are. And, and also bringing awareness and being an advocate for the. The laws and, and so on. And I, I think one of the first things I'm going to do today, I'm going to order that dust test for sure. <laughs> but I just want to share too with people other ways to get in touch with you. And, and that is like Instagram is at the Michael Rubino and yeah. LinkedIn is just at Michael Rubino, YouTube, yep. the Michael Rubino, as well as TikTok. And then of course your website, homeclemse.com.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Apparently, Michael Rubino is a very popular name. So, you know, it just—if you have some trouble finding me, you know, add the, you, the Just add the the, and you'll probably get it. Well,
0: you are the Michael Rubino, and I really appreciate you being on Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. And uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow me up anywhere you listen to your shows. And I highly recommend also checking out uh, Michael Rubino's podcast, as well as his website, of course. And that's called Never Been Sicker. And let's grow up together. Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag us at Growing Up with Dr. Sarah so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www.growingupwithdrsarah.com contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.